Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Saturday morning Bible study today with the topic of strength. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. So glad you could join us. And our moderator today is Thomas from New York. Welcome and hello, everybody. So let's start out with uh, um, write up about uh, Clara Barton and Christian Science. Um, Clara Barton's father was a was a member of the Oxford Universalist Church in Massachusetts, which was founded in 1777. Barton had a great love for her father's church, but never joined it or any other church. The pastor at her father's church became a Christian scientist. She talked with him about Christian science, and she had treatments from him. She would write him sometimes asking for, quote, good thoughts. In 1906, she attended the Mother Church annual meeting. Afterwards, Barton read some Christian science literature and later read through the Science and Health textbook. In an interview in 1908, she acknowledged that she was not a Christian scientist, but was comforted from reading Science and Health. She said, quote, I say no one familiar with Mary Baker Eddy's life and her teachings can help but see the marvelous consistency and beauty of which she has given to the world in Christian science. End of quote. So that last quote is uh, from uh, an interview with uh, Clara Barton by uh, Viola Rogers. It was in the Boston American paper uh, published on January 6, 1908. Thank you. Okay. I believe somewhere Mrs. Eddy had um, good things to say about Clara Barton as well. I didn't look that up, but did anybody? Miss Elaney, she, okay. uh, actually it was a really interesting quote, and I left it at home. Oh. But she, it was very short. I might be able to look it up, but she basically actually was really saying that, uh, in so many words, that she was very brave to speak in support of Mrs. Eddy during that time, because this is when... They were attacking her from all the um, book the, and publication. Next friend suit. Yeah, the next friend suit. And then that um, newspaper or something that was writing in that mm-hmm. book. Joseph oh, Pulitzer. Yeah, Pulitzer was coming at her. And so it was all over the news everywhere from all over the world, I think, actually, they said. And it was very, there was a lot of negativity. So to stand with Mrs. Eddy took a lot of courage. And I felt that's what she was yeah, if you can find that, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. And I know how much Mrs. Eddy appreciated those people who stood with her. I know Bronze and Alcott, uh, Louisa May Alcott's father did as well, um, because it did take courage when she was being attacked the way she was. So it had to take an advanced thought uh, an independent thinker to uh, 
realize who and what Mrs. Eddy was and is. And actually that um, interview that Tom's talking about, when you go and look at it, it was, it's very, it has a lot, she had a lot of very um, great things to say about Christian science. And, um, but I'll, I'll come to that. But it was really powerful, I thought. I mean, I, I love this statement that he picked from yes. it. It's beautiful. Yeah. But she she was, she was spoke a lot. I mean, we're talking almost three or four pages in this interview. Wow. And, so. and, and that quote is in our, under the biographies, right, Jeremy? Did we put that quote? Oh, I think oh yes, it is. Thank you, yes. 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 Thomas asked that we do that. So thanks, Jeremy, for posting that. But, uh, I mean, this is absolutely wonderful because, uh, if I may say, we, we have a new page on biographies of Mary Baker Eddy, and it leads off with this quote from Clara Barton. And what more do we need to know? She's saying, if you're familiar with Mary Baker Eddy and her teachings, you can't help but see the marvelous consist- consistency and beauty of what she has given to the world in Christian science. So all the more reason we should pick on those biographies and read them. Thank you, yes. It's significant that she says it comforts her to read Science and Health. Very much, yes. Yeah, but it does... I have a quote. Okay, go ahead. Okay, um, in the New York American... January 6th, 1908, Miss Clara Barton dipped her pen in my heart and traced its emotions, motives, and objects. Then, lifting the curtains of mortal minds, she depicted its rooms, guests, standing and seating capacity, and thereafter gave her discovery to the press. Now, if Miss Barton were not a venerable soldier, patriot, philanthropist, moralist, and stateswoman, I should shrink from such salient praise. But in consideration of all that Miss Barton really is, and knowing that she can bear the blows which may follow said description of her soul visit, I will say amen to be so be it. Mary Baker Eddy. That's beautiful. And where did you where is that? That is in miscellany on page two ninety six to two ninety seven. Can I read another quote from this magazine article? Sure. It's uh, Mrs. Barton says, quote, Mrs. Eddy should have the respect, admiration, and love of the whole nation, for she is its greatest woman. Her teachings spread love and goodwill among men, and a Christian scientist cannot be a Christian scientist unless he has eliminated greed and selfishness from his nature, end quote. But I just love that. Beautiful, yes. Yes, and then, um, you know, at the end of this Bible study, Thomas quotes again about Clara Barton at the age of 77, how she was working um, 16-hour days, and it's easy in Cuba, in rough conditions, it's easy to know or to figure out that she relied on science to help her with that. Whatever is your duty to do, you can do without harm to yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. But she proved the science in her own life. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, this topic is on strength, and I think it was very fitting 
what Mrs. Eddy said about Clara Barton, that she was strong enough to withstand the blows that are going to come from her praising Mrs. Eddy with the honest truth, of course. But nobody can stand up and say those things. And you know the nature of mortal mind. Yes, it is coming. But will you stand and uh, firm with the truth? Because like it says in science and health, that our confidence comes from the fact that truth is real and error is unreal. That's quite a position to take. Yes. So I think it's our position when error comes. As soon as you start, I mean, I know that when I started to read science and health, it seemed like my whole world has changed to the other side, where I had to learn to let go of the mortal beliefs. So I think it's something we can learn from as well in our own individual lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sarah Barton made a, I, I found this, was, it was said it was a famous quote of hers, but she said, quote, I may be compelled to face danger, but never fear it. And while our soldiers can stand and fight, I can stand and feed them. It's beautiful. Thank you for that. These are great. And and this is why Thomas included this in this lesson on, on strength, the more modern day version of strength being applied but these are biblical go ahead karen she's also considered the angel of the battlefield which i thought was a neat that's what she was that was that's what she was known as the angel of the battlefield i thought that was a neat was just helping them in the hospital wasn't enough she wanted to go right down the battlefield and and be with them, the ones that were suffering. Thank you. It's interesting, too. I looked her picture up, and, um, you know, usually the pictures of those times, they're very, everybody looks very kind of severe. You don't smile. But her picture, she had this very beatific smile on her face. Mm-hmm. She was an angel. She was an angel. <laughs> Anyone else? Well, one thing I want, I, want, I want to point out, and the reason that I presented this way about Clara Barton is a lot of times when you read about Clara Barton and, and Christian science, um, there's uh, almost an obsession about how, trying to articulate around how she seemed to be inter- interested in Christian science, and but she never became a member of the Mother Church. Um, but as I read about <laughs> what she... Her interactions with Christian Science was there is zero doubt on her part. There is no waffling. She is not being defensive. Read those interviews that she's had when she talks about Christian Science. There is zero, you know, apologizing for liking Mary Baker Eddy. Zero, none, none of that. <laughs> um, and she had quite a history of Christian science because it was a personal relationship she had with 
her pastor to Oxford Universalist Church, who uh, converted the Christian Science, and then actually the Sentinel published an article in uh, I think 1908 saying that he had resigned from the Universalist Church to become a member of the Mother Church. Um, and she used to write him letters often. Um, so she had a very uh, good relationship with her pastor, who became a Christian scientist. And she read through the entire textbook, Science and Health. And she put it into practice. She was a strong, independent thinker. And strong, independent thinkers sometimes shy away from joining organizations. She wasn't led to. She was led to do something else. Yeah, Einstein never joined either. He didn't renounce his, you know, he was Jewish, but but he saw. He, he read the textbook. And he saw what Mrs. Eddy was and what she discovered. He visited the reading room in Princeton regularly. Mm-hmm. So just joining a church doesn't necessarily mean they didn't see. He didn't want to give up his smoking, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to give up his smoking. Well, I think he was told by the members there that he had to oh, if he wanted dear, to dear. join. Something I really liked about the quote was that she said, um, her, it was about, I, I say, no one familiar with her life, meaning Mary Baker Eddy, and her teachings can help but see the marvelous consistency and beauty. And I think that consistency really must have appealed to her because sometimes in churches, it doesn't seem like things are terribly, if she's a really strong, independent thinker, she's going to notice inconsistencies with some of the doctrines. And this consistency of Mary Baker Eddy's textbook really, really appealed to her. Yes, yep. thank you. Yeah. Mr. You always know when it's Mrs. Eddie when she wrote something. I, I love that. Yeah. A divine revelation. <clears throat> well, you know, and too, it just occurred to me both and both uh, Clara Barton and Einstein, um, they both had a sense of humility to um, their, uh, well, Einstein was forever saying that, I can't remember exactly the quote, but they had a sense of humility before all this, what they were able to do. They, they, they didn't know, they didn't feel that it was really from them. Um, Einstein said something about God is in the details or, you know, he mentioned God many times. So I think for them to, for somebody like that, the humility to read science and health with that humility, that's why they were able to accept it and, and see the power of it and give Mrs. Eddy the appreciation for it because of their humility. Mm-hmm. Yes, good point. Yeah, Albert Einstein, whenever he was working on a, tr- tr- trying to figure something out, he, he would always ask himself, if I were God, how would I make yeah. things work? <laughs> and he, and he, and you know what he discovered. Everything he discovered, he discovered through inspiration. He never discovered anything in the laboratory. 
he left that for other people to do. So that's a that's a really really important point. The humility of waiting for inspiration is, is the best best way to do anything. And oftentimes, you know, what happens to, to organizations over time is they get humanized. They become doctrines, creeds, and dead ceremonies. Roll stones on people's heart. Yeah, it's it's easy to fall into human, you know, human do goody, and and you lose inspiration when you do that. And that's you know that's no good. That and that's not science. The classic example is they found fault with Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, I mean, yeah, really. Give me a break. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's the worst thing you can come up with about this guy. <laughs> yeah, especially when you can't heal any day of the yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> All they had was the letter, and they had to cling to it, I guess. <clears throat> okay, Thomas. Okay, so we'll go on with our questions. So the topic, as was mentioned, is strength. And if we wonder where that topic came from, in the lesson this week, the word strength, encoding strength, uh, is in there 11 times. So if it's in there 11 times, you got we all know what it means. But. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, uh, the question is, what does strength mean? And so what I did was I pulled out part of the definition that Webster gives on strength, which is copied here. You can also go to uh, Webster's Dictionary, uh, 1828, reads the whole thing. Um, I also put in here a couple examples of, uh, of uh, Hebrew words that were used in the lesson, but of course we read it in English. They're both um, uh, translate into strength. Um, they mean slightly different things, but um, I thought to kind of get uh, uh, an understanding of what strength means and how it's used, it would be uh, nice to kind of go through the definition of strength. So what does strength mean? Well, there's a positive and a passive. Like you, you mentioned the passive, but there's also a positive. So there's the strength to produce an effect to um, and then there's the passive to, to when we stand for the truth, um, strength of conviction, when we stand for, um, and uh, so I, I, I never thought of strength as having both those qualities, um, but it's support. Uh, that would be more probably the passive, but it's a power uh, has a, a, an ability to produce or have a force. So when we think of um, strength, there's, we're thinking of both 
Right, that's to, to oppose to weakness in both um, passive and, and uh, positive. So, so when God is our strength and our refuge from, um, it's, um, it's both. We are able to stand and withstand the arguments that come, and then we're able to um, have that strength to um, exert power to I, I think of it in terms of, I use it every day, a treatment for every day by Mary Baker Eddy. God is my strength. God is my life. God is my health and my understanding. I say that every day, and it gives me strength. And I know that God is giving me strength. Thank you. I feel it as mental fortitude to go on. And from that, I feel that I'm able to do the things that I have to do, the physical as well. But it originates for me, I feel it's a mental thing. Um, yeah, mental fortitude to go on. With whatever you have to make. Mm-hmm. Yes. Confidence is also a strength. Confidence in the truth. Mm-hmm. I, I think of it as like two and two is four, as opposed to somebody coming, trying to tell me that two and two is five. Do I have the same strength in my, in my understanding of God and that he's all present and all powerful as I do that two and two is four? I can't be moved from that. Um, from two and two is four. Can I be moved when something tries to tell me that God is not all? Then that's that's mm. where the strength and standing in His allness. There's something in Science and Health that by Mrs. Eddy, where it says spirit is symbolized by strength, presence, and power. Whole, I changed it a little bit that I read each day. Holy thoughts winged with love, which becomes spiritual understanding. Strength, presence, and power. I love that. Spirit is that. And is there any difference between active and passive in that sense? No. 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 And what, you know, we just had a lesson on God, the only cause and creator. Didn't we? Mm-hmm. Is, is is there a cause other than divine mind? No. Is there a source of power anywhere other than divine mind? Not at all. So that, from our standpoint, as you know, as people, <laughs> is strength anything other than the ability to do God's will? Pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, God God shows us in various ways what his will is. And then he gives us the ability to do what he wants us to do for him, for mankind. And the uh, 
another common, well-known statement in science and health is that the soul has infinite resources with which to bless mankind. So is there any other source of strength other than soul, divine mind? So these guys, Moses and Joshua and Caleb, they did things that appeared to be very strong under the circumstances. Clara Barton, under the circumstances, exhibited great strength. And why was that? They were carrying out God's will. They they all had an exalted purpose. Exactly. And Mrs. Eddy speaks about that too. And we must have that exalted purpose. Something greater than ourselves. If if you get up in the morning and you don't have anything to think about except going to the grocery store, it's kind of a depressing thing. <laughs> You've got to get up in the morning with an exalted purpose and that that will raise you up. To do, to do whatever it is you need to do. I, f- I found some and beautiful quotes about strength. I'd like to share with you, but only when everyone else is done. If there's anyone? I was just going to oh, say. I have one thing I want to say. Oh, go ahead, please. Go ahead, please. Okay. I'm going back to Webster's definition. I was thinking about the bone and the beam and the wall and the rope. And, you know, they all have their thing to do, and they simply do it because they can do no other. And like Mary was saying about having a purpose, each of us has a purpose. So think about it. When your purpose comes called into action, don't you feel like you're, you're just moving, your feet and your limbs just take off, and you, they do what they're supposed to do, and you don't know where it came from, maybe, except that we do. And uh, that's it. No, that was my take on the, this passive word there is like you can't go off arrogantly doing something contrary to your purpose. You're passive because you're humbly obedient. That's, that was my take on it anyway. Thank you. When dealing. So, uh, I wanted to say on, on the Hebrew words, um, the first one, bio, um, it means army, and armies are used for. Well, they can be aggressive, but they're also used for protection. And the second word, mouse, um, means protection. So this is an interesting way to look at strength. It's the protection that um, God is giving us, right? Because it says here, the Lord is the strength of my life. Well, the Lord is protecting me is one way to look at it. Thank you. And he protects us from everything that is unlike him. If we recognize it and accept it. In Nehemiah, it says that that the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
And that's always meant a lot to me. You know, when you're feeling joyous, you've got strength, right? You just do. You're bubbling over. <laughs> you feel great. And it's the joy of the Lord. If if you're depressed, you usually feel, oh, I can't do a thing. So now this, this is the answer to depression in yourself or dealing with others. They need to feel that joy of the Lord. They also, or yourself, needs to have this exalted purpose. They need a purpose in life. Depression comes when you don't feel that joy of the Lord or you don't have a, a, a purpose. It's very depressing. Like I said, if all you have to do is just kind of slop around, it's no fun. And uh, you don't know how to radiate God's truth, so you're, you're absorbing all of mortal mind. So the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then also in Second Corinthians, you know, Paul would always speak about how his weakness or his strength is made perfect in weakness. And what's that all about? <laughs> well, I think this what's called weakness is his willingness to humble himself before God and not exert his own will, but be obedient to his. Thank, Thank you. you very much. That's exactly what Karen was talking, or somebody was talking about earlier, about humility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, can't be, you can't be strong and prideful at the same time. Yeah, because you... Sometimes when I'm facing... Oh, go ahead. Sometimes when I'm facing something, and I hear in my head, you can't do this, it's too hard, it's... I turn it around. I say, you're right. I can't do it, but God can. There, so ex- that way I completely just say, fine, I can't. <laughs> so I give it up to God because I'm clearly not able to do it. You know, I don't know. But when I turn it over to God and say, okay, then you, you show me because I can't, but you can, then the answer comes. <laughs> and that's exactly why you use you can use weakness to your to your favor when you feel you can't. People will call me and tell me, I can't do this, I can't do that. And I do always tell them, well, that's right, you can't. You can, God can. So you get rid of self and let God use you. That's how you make strength out of weakness. And if you look in the Bible, the ones that uh, ended up serving God the most were those who felt the weakest in the beginning, right? Think of Moses, who am I? yeah, all of mm-hmm. them, Gideon, Gideon. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah. Who am I to be doing this? Uh, it's that weakness that lends itself to becoming strong. And this, one of my favorite quotes from Mrs. Eddy, as Mary Baker Eddy, I am the weakest of mortals, but as the discoverer and founder of Christian Science, what was she? Um, an of the world, the bone. In you of the world. You see, when she found her exalted purpose, ain't nothing stopping her. Also, is that meekness that allows the manifestation of the divine strength, right? Yes. Correct. Yes. And that is the only way we ever can find strength. It requires the recognition that humanly, I'm absolutely useless. 
I can do nothing. And when you get to that point, then you are ready for the strength that God is. And you can do anything with Christ. Right? It's funny when you get that feeling that you're you're like too weak to do something, the thought comes that you're like too far too far gone, but you're actually halfway there. <laughs> so I think that's funny. How we how how much of science is just a different perspective on what is just what seeing, is going on. Right. It's just seeing things correctly in their true light. So never feel dismayed if, if you are feeling weak and depressed. There's an answer. You turn it around, um, and you will find great strength. And that applies to any situation. And that's where the phrase man's extremity is God. God's opportunity. When you reach the end of your rope in any way, God is right there. And also to be thinking, I can of my own self do nothing. That has helped me tremendously. So these are some quotes and prose works from Mrs. Eddy. One miscellaneous writings on 130. Know ye not that he who exercises the largest charity and waits on God renews his strength and is exalted? exercises the largest charity here again you're forgetting self and working for others right you'll find your strength i mean i know people even if all they do if they go and i shouldn't say even if if they go to an animal shelter and help the animals they have all this energy and desire because they they feel motivated to, to help or you go to a soup kitchen or something and of course in science we have infinite ways to bless mankind Okay, and another from miscellaneous writings. Christian science classifies thought thus. Right thoughts are reality and power. Wrong thoughts are unreality and powerless, possessing the nature of dreams. Good thoughts are potent. Evil thoughts are impotent, and they should appear thus. Continuing this category, we learn that six sick thoughts are unreality and weakness, while healthy thoughts are reality and strength. My proof of these novel propositions is demonstration whereby any man can satisfy himself of their verity. So think about it. What are your thoughts? If your thoughts are, you know, evil and unhealthy, sickly thoughts, that's if you're listening to all this about the nameless nothing, you're, you are going to feel weak and miserable. You have to have your thoughts from God, and then the strength comes. So we've been taught here, ask yourself, when thoughts come, is this a thought from God who loves me? If it's not, you kick it out. If it is, you nurture it. And you have the strength to kick it out, if you, you do. want to. Because man has made man capable of this, right? Yeah. God has made man capable of this, and nothing can vitiate what the ability So all are without excuse. And what does the word vitiate mean, just so that everybody's clear on this? Make it less. Yeah. 
Definition of vitiate means to render something useless. Nothing can render useless the power that God is in you. The power is there. We just have to use it. I don't know if anybody mentioned it yet or not, but I thought of also um, obedience to truth gives man, man power and strength from science and health. Thank you. Very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Obedience gives you power and strength. <laughs> Wonderful. You obey God. That's, again, finding your exalted purpose. You rise up out of the sick bed or the depressed bed or whatever other bed you're in. Okay, and then. disobedience is what? Human weakness. Yes. Weakness, exactly. Well, it's dishonesty. Dishonesty is human dishonest. weakness. Dishonest, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, dishonest. But that's, yeah, well, isn't it the same, really? <laughs> it is, yes. But we like to quote and that's it. What, I'm sorry. That's, that was, what gave, <laughs> that's what gave Moses, Caleb, and Joshua the strength to do what they needed to do, because despite what everybody was telling them that was impossible or it could they were going to obey what God was telling them, and, and that's why they were able to do the incredible things they were doing because they they just would obey they were faithful to god to the most to the utmost and that's where their strength came from yes and then this from miscellany in metaphys metaphysics we learn that the strength of peace and of suffering is sublime a true, tried mental conviction that is neither tremulous nor relapsing. This strength is like the ocean, able to carry navies, yet yielding to the touch of a finger. It's a beautiful description of strength. And then this, life's ills are, are its chief recompense they develop hidden strength. Had I never suffered for the mother church, neither she nor I would be practicing the virtues that, that lie concealed in the smooth seasons and calms of human existence. When we are willing to help and to be helped, divine aid is near. If all our years were holidays, sport would be more irksome than work. So, my dear ones, let us together sing the new, the old new song of salvation and let our measure of time and joy be spiritual, not material. And then this too, I love, religions may, may waste away, but the fittest survives. And so long as we have the right ideal, life is worth living and God takes care of our life. It's beautiful. It's, beautiful. it's on 166. Somehow, somehow Clara Barton knew that. She did. <laughs> she did. And then here, these are a couple of contributions from Carrie in California. This one is Mrs. Eddy's article, um, Love Your Enemies. We have no enemies. Whatever envy, hatred, revenge, the most remorseless motives that can get govern mortal mind Whatever these can do shall work together for good to them that love God. Why? 
because he has called his own, armed them, equipped them, furnished them, defenses impregnable. Their God will not lose them, and they cannot lose their God. Though they stumble and fall, yet they rise again, the stronger and more assured to press on fast, faster than before. The best lesson of their life is gained by crossing swords with temptation, with fear and the besetments of evil, insomuch as they have tried their strength and proven it, insomuch as they have found their strength made perfect in weakness, and their fear is self-immolated. And this is why when challenges come up, we meet them and become stronger for them. Suzette so said, cowardice never conquers. You've got to face the fears and become stronger for them. And then you pass the test and you move on triumphantly. Stronger for it. Stronger for it. And then this from the Reverend Kratzer, the whole armor of God, says Paul, for the future, find your strength in union with the Lord and in the power which comes from his might. Put on all the armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground against the stratagems of the devil. So, anyway. Yeah, these are all wonderful examples of how we get strength. So there's hope for all of us. <laughs> okay, so we have a question two? Or? Sure. I think so. Okay, question two. So uh, it's a Bible story straight out of our lesson this week. So how does the following statement help understand the fight between the Amalekites and the Israelites? Well, we have strength in proportion to our apprehension of the truth. Unquote. It's Science and Health, page 80. Well, I guess that question is what referred me to the two and two is four. You know, when I'm, I think of that a lot because I, I know how I feel when I know that two and two is four. Nothing could move me. I, nothing. Do I feel the same when something confronts me? Do I, um, do I apprehend the, tr the truth as much as I do two and two is four about God's allness? Because if I do, then I can't be moved no matter what anything tries to tell me otherwise. If I am so, if I understand that truth of God's allness, then can I be moved? Can anything push me around or... So that's that's what I thought about when I saw that. So in proportion to apprehension, of, to know that, to have that understanding of the truth, we can't be moved if we understand it and feel it so clearly. That is great. That's a wonderful mm -hmm. illustration. And the Israelites knew the truth that there was only one God. And that that God was the father of all. And that obedience to the laws of God was requisite for living. And their neighbors, the Amalekites, were jealous, envious, hated that, didn't believe it. 
So they were threatened by it. So they attacked it. They wanted to get rid of it because it was a rebuke to them. It was a threat to them. And when Moses' hand was lifted up and everybody felt the power of the truth, they prevailed. When his hand was let down and they doubted or didn't feel in their hearts, <laughs> then they they didn't prevail. But there was enough courage, moral courage, and, and strength of conviction to enable them to prevail. But it was it was they prevailed in the truth. And we can prevail in the truth individually, as a church, as a nation, as a world, because the truth does prevail. Because there's no strength anywhere else other than in the truth. Any, anything else that seems to have strength is an illusion. And, and that's how you defeat it. And it's tremendous power. And that's a great illustration Karen gave. You should know it just as firmly as you know 2 plus 2 equals 4. You're unmoved. You think of how David was unmoved by Goliath, right? He ran to meet it. And, he was, and, the, and Goliath was touting, oh, you, I'll make you a little piece of dirt. <laughs> and he said, oh, I, come, I come with God, the name of God. And, and with just one little stone, he defeated it. And yeah, he, using the tools he's proved, I love that. Yes, the tools he's proved. And his reliance is the beautiful readings Wednesday night, only on God. And the more you do it, the more strength you build, strength upon strength. And if you think in your journey to get to the promised land, you're not going to come across these Amalekites, think again. <laughs> they pop up everywhere. And this was something, another contribution from Carrie in California. Uh, article, one of our obligations from the October 12th, 1912 issue. We read that they were attacked by the Amalekites, a tribe who made war upon them at various times with a persistent intention of preventing their entrance into the promised land. We find these assailants appearing and reappearing from the time of Moses to the reign of Saul, always alert and aggressive. In this particular attack, Joshua was the chosen leader of the armies of Israel to repel the Amalekites. The battle was being waged in the valley, and Moses, accompanied by Aaron and Hur, the record says, stood upon a very high place witnessing the scene. While Moses stood with his hands raised heavenward, the Israelites prevailed. But when his hands became weary and heavy and sank to his side, immediately the tide of the battle seemed to turn, and the Amalekites prevailed over the Israelites. Then Aaron and Hur, we read, stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Then thus Joshua, leading the host of Israel, discomfort, discomfited 
the Amalekites and won the victory. How like this is our experience. We have been drinking of the waters which flow from the spiritual rock, Christ's truth. We have been filled with gladness that proofs of truth's sustaining power have come to us in the wilderness of lost hopes, doubts, and fears. We feel that nothing could be too great for truth to accomplish, and we want the world to share it with us. But we have yet to learn that after our enemy is repulsed in the open, it may reappear in a more subtle form. The Amalekites are still in the land, and history shows them to have been a persistent and aggressive enemy, appearing and reappearing, compelling the Israelites to war with them all the way from Egypt to Canaan. So don't be surprised if you see them popping up here and there. They're popping up all over the place right now, right? They are aggressive, mm-hmm. right? And they're not so subtle anymore either. Yeah, they're coming more out in the open. And Mrs. Eddie predicts that. Animal magnetism is, you know, not so subtle. It's more aggressive features are coming to the front. But they come they come to us as a test. And they have how much power? <laughs> they have only as much power as you give it. But they care. They have all power. They act like I'm great. I'm big. Everybody believes in me. You know, we're we're the majority here. You're you're just a little puny nothing. Going around like a roaring lion. Yeah. Right. Right. They appear in the form of law. I am a medical law, so fear me. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm a law of the land, so obey me. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. mandates, mandates, I mandates. Mandate. They're not even laws. Nobody voted on all of this. It's just somebody saying that it's a mandate, <laughs> and you must obey it. Well, we obey God because we know better. Mm-hmm. Karen, would, did you want to say something or somebody? No. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it belongs to God. That's it. Oops, I found it. Yeah, that all power belongs to God. That's it. Yes, mm-hmm. beautiful hand. That's it. So, uh, the one way I looked at this Bible story is uh, from the sense that this is telling us about spiritual warfare. So, you can read through this story and then say, okay, so Moses is holding up this rod, it gets heavy, people help him. But if you think about the rod of God as Moses' faith in God, and um, as long as he keeps that, that faith in God, then they're protected. But the Amalekites are very, very aggressive people. That's why I, I gave that um, reference of Esther. Um, they, they are so aggressive, they'll never quit. They want to completely destroy the Israelites, and um, they don't quit. But this is showing us that all we have to do is just keep faith in God. And we'll always be protected. No worries. Doesn't matter how aggressive the Amalekites are. Thank you. And that's so true. And, you know, we are, we're doing the work for the world. But if you're in a position where, you know, you're surrounded with all of this, these things, you can certainly know that God is taking care of you. And you're home and all of that. Um, 
because I hear from people who are in very difficult situations. And uh, yes, no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. Emmanuel, God with us, and you can prove it. And we've heard many, many examples. I know Bob sent us that illustration of people in a flood, remember, and the, and the, and the flood was going up to the ceiling, the roof, and and they kept at, they kept praying the 91st Psalm, and they were protected. Sometimes all around them is is damage. That doesn't mean we're we're praying. We're doing our best to pray for absolutely everybody. Um, and those who are receptive will come under that mantle. But you certainly do have the right to protect yourself when everything seems to be falling apart. I mean, people in areas where all this looting is going on and that it seems to be they're not even being prosecuted i mean this is this is lawlessness but you come under the law of god almighty and you are protected and just know it just like as karen said you know two plus two is four you will be unmoved by the jarring testimony of the material senses as mrs Teddy says and really, that's what the Bible shows us, like was in the readings on Wednesday night, that spiritual power shows that has more power over physical, more spiritual has more power, has the power over physical. That's what the Bible is about, is the power of spirit over the flesh. That's, so that's... <clears throat> you've got a whole book <laughs> that, yeah. that keeps demonstrating that same fact. I mean, how can we deny that? That's why all the victories that happened in the Bible, how did they all come about? It's because of the spiritual power, not physical. So, That's right. And, and, and we have another book that explains the science behind it. Yes. That, that spirit is the only power. Guess what? <laughs> and Arrow would like to take the Bible science and health as well out of out of our hands certainly out of the hands of our children make them think it's not relevant anymore or even worse bad. that it's a bad so to that we say the hell you say <laughs> <laughs> okay um i'd like to go into the third question and we can continue talking about question two because it's really talking about the same people but what can be learned from the examples of people like Moses, Joshua, Caleb, and Clara Barton, too? Okay. So just a couple of thoughts on Clara Barton. I'm not going to read this, but I'll summarize a couple of points about Clara Barton and her trip to Cuba. So she's 77 years old, and she fought for months on end to bring uh, medical relief to Cuba. I mean, she was a fighter. They didn't want her to go. And then when she shows up, you know, she has uh, um, dinner on board. She's invited as an honored guest on the USS Maine. And then the very next day, it blows up and kills 260 people. I mean, she was really in the thick of things. And then she provided, uh, you know, medical support for the survivors. Then she went on to the main reason for her trip was to help the reconcentrados. And it was just absolutely horrifying. She went in, and think about her thought. This is what really stood out to me, is she was all about discipline, order, 
she just don't organize things. I mean, some of the stuff she did was of the simplest nature. And you're thinking there's all these people around. They could have done that too. But Claire Gordon had this, you know, great thinking, this great mind and just knew, oh, we're just going to provide some order here, some discipline. We're going to clean some things. And people were so appreciative of what she did. But then she was asked to leave because war broke out, you know, with the USS Maine when it blew up and other things. So then war was um, uh, declared against Spain. But then she went back to, to uh, Cuba to um, give more uh, relief to uh, the soldiers. Um, and you think about this, that this is 77 years old. And as Mary said before, she was working 16 hours a day. And um, uh, one of her, this was a close friend of hers, and, and Dr. Hubble, he was also chief of the Red Cross field agents. He said this about her. It seems a marvel when we think of all the mental as well as physical strain which she has endured during the past months of Cuban work. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So one- then I wrote some, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. Go ahead, please. Was a wonderful example, and of all hell all around her, but she was she was denying it all. She was fulfilling her divine mission. Yes, she definitely was a worker too, and mm-hmm. and I think being a, a worker coming across Christian Science and Christian Science being practical, you're like, oh yes, I I can see this working. I will continue using it. <laughs> so I love that. <laughs> Well, but it's encouraging for every one of us, isn't it? I mean, each one of us has a divine purpose. You know, I mean, it's not for it's not for all of us to do what Clara Barton did. It's not for all of us to do what Moses did or Joshua. Or, you know, everybody has their own place in this, you know, in this world. But we can, you know, we have the strength. We have the strength if we use it properly, to do whatever God has for us to do. That's why this idea of retiring is so despicable. (laughs) You know, the idea of retiring, can you ever retire from doing God's will? Well, people do, and they, you know, and they suffer the consequences. But, But why? When there is so much joy and satisfaction in doing what God has for you to do, keep doing it for heaven's sake. Until the last false belief is out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This spiritual strength was carried on in World War II. I love this story. Uh, It's it. We have it in our books that there are little white buses and Christian scientists in the middle of World War II, all this hell around them, just like uh, Clara Barton, they took food and healing everywhere they went. And they went up hills that army trucks couldn't do. And, and they healed animals as well as children and people and fed them. Um, Anne from England sent something beautiful. I think we did read it once a while ago. So I'll, I'll surmise it, but it's how she used this story. She, she um, 
there's a book out by Janet Horton, who was a Christian Science Army chaplain. She was one of the first ones in the 70s. And there was a lot of opposition to her being a woman with amongst all these um, guys. And she, she says that um, they were out in, in sort of like the desert-like, and they were to run. The male chaplains ca- cautioned me it was too far, but I explained I'd been running six to nine miles a day with my infantry unit at Fort Sill. Reluctantly, they agreed I could try the run. None of us were desert people, so we weren't familiar with the illusions of distances. After about three miles of running in the barren desert, occasionally dotted with prickly cacti, it became clear it was probably ten times the distance it appeared to be. We also realized we had to run back. When we turned around, we were a considerable distance from any populated areas. I had been praying to take my mind off the length of the run. All of a sudden, I realized that I was alone and wondered where the guys went. I looked around to see a pack of hungry coyotes were looking for their morning breakfast. They began to growl and circle me. When the lead dog growled and moved in, the others would close in tighter. Because the thought came to me of how much I loved animals, especially the dogs we had as a child, I never remember feeling any sense of fear. A wonderful Bible lesson that day from the 13th and 14th chapter of Numbers had been about those who went in to spy out the land of Canaan. Some gave an evil report and said it was a land that devoured its people and was inhabited by giants. But Caleb gave a good and true report. Right where the men journeyed with, <clears throat> who saw a dangerous situation, Caleb saw a land that flowed with milk and honey and felt that the people were able to possess it. Having been praying without ceasing, I was prepared during the run. I did. However, a sense of gravity to the situation as the circling coyotes began to close in. Next, I recalled the Bible account of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel's heart was pure, and there was no fear, animalistic tendency, nor hate that had been thrown into the lion's den. There was nothing impure in his heart or mind for the lions to feed on. So it says she turns away from the picture, and she prayed to hear God's word. And what came to her was to get down and speak to the lead dog. So she got down on one knee, and when I knelt, the lead coyote laid down. Then all the other coyotes did also, and then became very attentive. What happened literally was an example of Jesus' instruction to preach the gospel to every creature. Starting with the first chapter of Genesis, in the beginning, I told them that God created the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that therein is. He divided the light from the darkness. He created every creeping thing upon the earth. He saw everything it made, and behold, it was very good. I was also praying with this idea from the Christian Science textbook, Science and Health, that all of God's creatures moving in harmony of science are harmless, useful, and indestructible. I said to the lead coyote, you have a purpose, but it's not to harm me, and I have a purpose, and it's not to harm you. We need to go about our father's business, but it's not here. Then I said, you need to go now. She waved her hand, and the lead coyote and all the other coyotes walked off. 
And then she found that the men, the guys, <laughs> that had they had deserted her. They had seen the coyotes, and they all ran to took took cover, were hiding. And then they watched this miraculous thing go on. They couldn't believe it. And so it changed their minds about having females as chaplains in the army. So it was quite a story. And I just thought one, you know, to remember whatever situation you're in, God is with you. And if you pray to him, he'll give you the right idea and the strength carried on. That was from Anne in England. That's wonderful. Bruce, did you want to add anything? Uh, I don't think I can add anything to that. That is just spectacular. Anything at all? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes after this session is over, people say, well, I really wished or I should have said this. So I'm asking, if anyone has any should have or would have, please, please. Uh, I just want to say this. I actually remember back when I worked construction in the 90s, they were talking about allowing or like some woman had applied and all the guys were concerned but the concern was it was two things it was that they weren't going to be allowed to swear anymore <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then also that they didn't want a woman seeing them in pain at all oh, gee. <laughs> it wasn't it, that was that <laughs> obviously these guys weren't concerned about looking like cowards evidently <laughs> not they let, they let the female handle the whole thing which she did beautifully actually that's a pretty good story because it forced the guys to clean up their act and also to be honest about the challenges they, that they faced. You know, we, we have the strength to overcome our challenges, but if we just ignore them, that doesn't work. We gotta face them squarely, admit what they are, know that it can't be done and see to it that they're not done. You know, Mrs. Eddie gave us that method, but step number one was to acknowledge them. So it's all part of the cleanup process. Thank God for that woman that applied for that job. <laughs> I mean, well, how much good she did for everybody there. Well, well, she wrote a whole book about it. Yeah. Um, I'd like to add something about the miscellaneous writings from Wednesday. May God enable my students to take up the cross as I have done and meet the pressing need of a proper preparation of heart to practice, teach, and live Christian science. And I, when I was thinking about strength, I thought about that we need to prepare our, a proper preparation of the heart, and that's to, to receive what God is telling us and receive the strength he gives us and so on, and, and uh, to deal with our temptations or fears. Through, and, and the other one was, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Yes, and that beautiful amplified version of that where it says you're infused with inner strength. There's nothing that comes to you that you can't master and meet. It's beautiful. And I love that from the Wednesday evening meeting that we have to take up the cross. We have to be willing. It's a preparation of the heart to take this work. And then we gain the strength that perhaps we thought we didn't have. In proportion to our apprehension of the truth. Yes, we understand it. This is a wonderful Bible study. You know, strength is in humble obedience, not in selfish exaltation. You know, I, I did have one other thing to say, and it's something <laughs> I just thought of 
during the session about the story about Moses having his hand raised, the, they were always looking to Moses to be like their conduit between them and God and like how everything was going on. And it just made me think of, of like being here. And, you know, when I came here, I was always looking to the practitioner for what was, you know, the right understanding. Cause I didn't understand anything. And, but, you know, as, as we, go through our demonstrations and we learn more and more, you know, what, what we look to the practitioner for should adjust accordingly. It shouldn't just be for everything, but they just seem to always be looking for everything from him. And I just, I just was thinking about that, how important it is to like do our part and not always, not always go with every little thing the practitioner so I, I was just like well thank you no you're absolutely right and that's why there's such a thing as a divinity course where you get to where you what you learn you learn directly from god and joshua and caleb adjusted accordingly i guess not very many other people did but joshua and caleb did and they were they were prepared to take over when moses was gone and I remember this from a previous Bible study. Caleb was the one that asked for the land with the, the biggest giants. <laughs> so, <laughs> he was like eighty. He wasn't. Yeah, thank you. That's interesting. So, yep. And he was uh, So I want to say this about Claire Barton. Is I did uh, hint I uh, say a little bit about this, but uh, we we can see in what I wrote up and what other people know about Claire Barton that she was pretty tough and she went into pretty terrible places to help out, right? But what what is not written here, and is it's it's just I mean I, sometimes I just can't believe it. But every step of the way, people tried to stop her. Even her supporters, they all disagreed with her. No, I shouldn't say all, but many disagreed with her. And so everything that she did, trying to go to Cuba to help with the reconcentrados or help with the soldiers in Cuba, and 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 all the other things she did. She had tons of people who were trying to stop her. So mm -hmm. it wasn't just going out there and, you know, providing relief in, in wartime situations. She had a lot to deal with. And it kind of makes me think of our story about the Amalekites and the spiritual warfare, right? Mm -hmm. So she was very, very strong. You can pretty well count on it when you're doing something from God. For God, you'll have the opposition come up. And got to handle it and overcome it. Right. And Mrs. Eddie talks about that, too. She had the same kind of opposition. Look what Christ Jesus step. had to face. Yeah. So did Florence Nightingale. Florence Nightingale, yep. Right. yep. And Mrs. Eddie warns any pioneer is going to face the same crap, <laughs> the same opposition. <laughs> well, we know what that means. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. This has been really really helpful. Really Fortifies us for yeah, the days ahead of us. Thank you. 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 Oh, good. So I'm glad we're Thank all fortified. You. So. We're all fortified. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you.